Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 145. Welcome back, Adam Antimaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison, and thank you so much for tuning in today. And we have a really cool, unique episode for you today. We are joined by Johannes Eckerstrom, who is the frontman of the Swedish heavy metal band Avatar. And if you've ever even seen a picture of Avatar, then you know that they're very unique and very creative. I've been wanting to check them out for a really long time. As you might know, I do some photography for a couple radio stations, and they've been on my bucket list to photograph for a really long time. They've got the makeup and the costumes and just this overall persona, not just as individuals, but as a whole band. So I finally got to cross this one off the bucket list, but also we were lucky enough to get some time with Johannes, who of course is the frontman and the singer for Avatar. And I absolutely loved my conversation with Johannes. He, I was, I don't know why, but I was almost pleasantly surprised by how well-spoken he is and how much he likes to talk about his art and his craft. And so this episode was a real pleasure. I'm really excited to share with you just such a unique individual, such a unique band uh, that he's a part of. And so we recorded this episode backstage ahead of their show here in Toronto at the Phoenix Concert Theatre. And one really interesting story about that night and that show, it was the first show on the entire tour, and members of Avatar had flown over from Sweden and Finland. And as you may know, there is currently tons of issues happening at the airports around the world. If you're listening to this in the future, well, at this point in time, because of the pandemic, people are now starting to travel again, uh, but all the airlines and airports are understaffed, so flights are getting delayed, getting cancelled, uh, luggage is getting lost, and just airports in general are a zoo. And Pearson Airport here in Toronto has now, of course, been notoriously known as the worst airport for these kind of issues. And Air Canada has also been known as the worst airline for these kind of issues. So uh, Avatar were flying Air Canada into Pearson Airport and their luggage got lost. And of course, their luggage has all their costumes in it. And so Avatar didn't have their costumes for the show that night because their luggage didn't arrive in time. And so this is what I love about the creativity of this band. All the members of the band went out to winners and bought matching outfits. So they did a heavy metal show, Avatar style, in matching cargo shorts and Hawaiian shirts. And you know what? It was hilarious and kind of cool. Talk about making the best of the worst situation. And it gave the Toronto fans that night a kind of unique, uh, one-off type of experience. And I just thought it was awesome. Rather than be defeated, they just crushed it in Hawaiian (laughs) button-ups. So that's the type of band Avatar are and the type of person Johannes is. And you'll hear that in the interview. And Avatar have released about a handful of new singles in the last year, and they have a new album that they're working on at the moment. So before we get started, let's do the Adamantium Recommend segment. I'm going to pick out five of my favorite Avatar songs, and it's great if you're new to the band because you can check them out before or after the interview. So I usually like to kick this off with something new, and Avatar released this kick-ass single called Going Hunting last year in 2021. So let's start with that one. And then from their 2020 album Hunter Gatherer, I recommend the song Colossus. And then going back to their 2016 album Feathers and Flesh, I recommend the song The Eagle Has Landed. 
And then from their 2014 album, Hail the Apocalypse, I recommend the song Bloody Angel. And then lastly, from their 2012 breakthrough album, Black Waltz, I recommend the song Smells Like a Freak Show. And that is that. Now, if you're an Avatar fan tuning into the Adamantium podcast for the very first time today, uh, first of all, thank you so much for checking us out. We have been blessed to have so many cool bands on this podcast and so many more to come. And we hope that you will tune in again someday. So please do hit that subscribe button on whichever podcast network you choose to get your podcasts. You can also follow the Adamantium podcast on social media. We're on Instagram at the Adamantium, on Facebook at the Adamantium podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. But you can find us just by searching the Adamantium podcast. And now that we're done the formalities, let's introduce you to the very interesting and unique Johannes Eckerstrom of Avatar, right here on episode 145 of the Adamantium podcast. Have a fantastic week, everybody. God bless, and we will see you back here real soon. Had some uh, travel, uh, some travel complications. Yes. Yeah. Well, you're flying into what I've heard is the worst airport in the world right now. So. Uh, Toronto. Toronto is. I've heard it's. Okay. Uh, yeah. That that's kind of how how it felt. But the thing about <laughs> things were lost already before we even. Before got we there. Even yeah, got yeah. Because this is where we arrived, and our right. none of our bags made it to an hour flights. And the thing is. So the other four guys, they still live in Sweden. Okay. Uh, so they and I live in Helsinki, Finland. So we anyway came on different flights through different airports in Europe. Okay. And uh, arrived at different terminals in Toronto. So, but my check bag luggage lost, their check stuff lost. So independently of each other. Everywhere, everywhere is everything. Yeah, everything, yes. everything lost and gone. I've heard it's just a nightmare at almost all the airports, but Toronto apparently is notorious now, the worst one. Yeah, like. Yeah, it's, it's a thing almost everywhere. Helsinki, Finland, awesome. They also switched out all the security check. It's much bigger, and they have these jet engine-looking, uh, MRI-looking machines with 3D scans. Yeah. Everything is awful except for in Helsinki. Okay. But it didn't help. I'm flying out at the end of the month, and I've just been told, like, go half a day early. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And just, I don't know, bring, bring a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, so what about, I mean, now, first, this is the first show on this leg of the tour, this mm-hmm. American mm-hmm. tour, after a long, long, long time. Uh, is there any nerves? Do you guys have any superstitions at the beginning of a tour, anything like that? Uh, you know, you usually get good on show three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes the first two... All that, all that more special. Yes. <laughs> no, nothing like that. Actually, it felt very, because we have done some things. You know, we were probably the first European band to come back to North America, not Canada though, but uh, yeah, uh, the United States last year. Okay. We were here in I guess September into October. Yeah. Okay. Did twenty four shows. Then I got the got the old Rona and had to right. <laughs> sit in a hotel room in Vegas by myself for ten days. Right, which I imagine is quite. What do you? That's quite depressing. That's got to be a depressing experience. Especially I was, when I was, some friends asked and they were what it was like, and I was about to say, oh, I guess just like pray, and then I remembered they've been to prison, and I was. <laughs> 
It's like a Norwegian person. I had cable. Yes, right. A Norwegian person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was Norwegian. I watched that show on Netflix. That, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah the inside the prisons. And I yeah. Remember. No, so it, not fun, of course. And, but we were able to reschedule that. And we, back in February, we were also, yeah. once again, in North America. Yeah. Uh, did a cruise, ship a cruise, and did those shows we right. missed out on, and a couple more. So we got in a bit of a taste of it. Like yeah. the big one was in this fall, first time on stage, was extremely emotional for a few seconds. Then it's like, oh wait, wait, we have a show to play actually. Yeah. Adrenaline took over. Of course. Uh, so now, like we've been so we've been doing we did some bits. festivals. Yeah, we did a couple of festivals, and we've been doing things. You know, we've been recording, we've been seeing each right. other, we've been doing band stuff, and mm-hmm. you know, with increased intensity, yeah. which means. So now it feels pretty normal, I guess. Just now I, I'm as happy as ever to be back in Canada, specifically because yeah. we couldn't do that. Yeah, last when time. was the last time you guys would have been here? We uh, tried to do some. We tried to remember, but uh, pre-COVID. Pre. So that always three years. Yeah, that years. already throws yeah. us back to 2019. Right. Because we. Yeah. When did when did the plague come? Early 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Right. When did Corona start? Early? Corona? Well, I mean, it was well, around, I think, end late, of 2020, yeah. but it, like, when it became a thing was yeah. March exactly. 2020. Yeah, yeah exactly. So what well, that means, and our last thing we did North America side was in the fall of 2019. 2019, yeah. So, yes, suddenly it's been almost three years. Do you, so, now, I mean, nerves and stuff, so do you guys have traditions pre-show or pre-tour? Anything you guys like to do? Well... Nothing that would come as any kind of surprise. Like mm-hmm. what the actual preparations of the show in terms of uh, making yourself look pretty, stretch a bit, listen to some rainbow or something, yeah. uh, and all of those routines, you know, yes. and gathering and uh, you know, warming up. That those become rituals, all right. I guess. But there's nothing. I don't think anything beyond that. You know, gotcha. you go in a circle, you say a couple of magic words to each other, right? Stage, you know, but. Beyond that, no, you know, yes, uh, but no, but yes. Um, Vegas is a tough place to to get Rona too. I mean, for one, like the most expensive place to stay, and mm-hmm. also like there's all this happening, all this temptation around you. Yeah. Like, you want to go out and have fun, and you can't. Well, the hotel was <laughs> kind of it was close to the strip, but it was kind of yeah. behind the strip. So you just looked, so I just looked out. No, I, I didn't see the people having fun. Okay, you know? that's maybe better. No, that's better. That's, yeah, I was. I was worried that same time, no, that was fall 2020, I hmm. decided I traveled for the first time since the, and I went to Africa and climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Oh, wow. Amazing. But my biggest fear was like, what if I get it over there and I'm stuck in like a hotel in Tanzania? Like, hmm. what, what, do you, what am I going to do for 10 days? <laughs> like, <Just> yeah. <laughs> wait. Yeah. And that was also crazy. The psychology of it, of like... Again, my criminal record is pretty clean, so I never had to yeah. go in solitary confinements. <laughs> so, yeah, right. And, and and never, you know, never had solitude forced upon me like right. that before. Right. And it's crazy, like because also, you know, everyone who has had COVID, it seems like it hit people a bit differently, yeah. obviously. And I was vaccinate fully vaccinated because you know I can read and spell my own name and yeah. chew gum and walk <laughs> at the same time and stuff so of course I'm vaccinated which means that I didn't 
get it. I, I never broke a fever. Yeah, you know, but I, but it's you know, but it's still yeah. like it feels like some kind of flu if you never experienced the flu before. Right. It's weird and. So the physical fatigue, but also just that environment. I was thinking, oh, 10 days, and we I can write, I can work on our new songs and right. stuff here. Yeah, and yeah. Like, open up the computer and access like the server. <laughs> and like, no, no, I won't. I can't. I, yeah. I won't. And there's, oh, I can have a movie marathon. I don't know, yeah. like James Bond, Harry Potter, whatever. Yeah. No, 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 no. Just short YouTube clips of whatever, like this. Right. Going to complete drone mode. It's like That's, psychologically yeah. was very strange. Yeah. Like that. I bet. And all alone too, like yeah. nobody. Yeah. Yeah, and you're, you're on the phone with people, and people call and care and everything, but it's still such a. All right. Yeah, but now, yeah. Well, okay. Well, it's only like day two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and after a while, I realized sure, it didn't take long to realize. Okay, I, I will only eat once per day. Right. Everything I ordered to the room in Central Las Vegas will right. be rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, I was just in Vegas for the first time actually in April oh, yeah. and I noticed that too. I'm like, Jesus, get like a salad is going to cost me like, yeah. <laughs> you know, a week's worth of groceries at home. And then it's an American salad with yes, yeah. lettuce and bacon and chicken and beef and, yeah. <laughs> and smarties and M&Ms. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty All much. In a block of jello. Yeah. Shaped like a leaf. Yeah, an edible bowl of yeah. Yeah, of lard. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. I, I found the worst parts too to be, when I got it, was in the morning mm. always, when you wake up, it felt like for me, same thing, I didn't get that sick. Mm. But in the morning, it felt like I was swallowing like a ball of nails. Like mm. it was... <laughs> But that was that was the. How worst long part. were you sick? Like I, I was only really sick like three days or something. You know, here the quarantine went down to five, mm-hmm. and at least at that point it was in Christmas over New Year's. I got it on New Year's, and uh, I lived with my fiance. Yeah. I mean, assuming she didn't really get sick, but we assumed that she got it also. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. I had it. Yeah. So at least I had someone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. And at least we had just bought groceries or whatever too, so we had enough food. But yeah, but like even then, even day five, we were like, we need to go out and each have a separate walk. Yeah. <laughs> it took yeah. me 10 days to test negative and I was feeling good mm-hmm. for the last five. And that psychologically, I guess those last five were yeah, worse than the first five. Of course. Because then. want to go out. Yeah. Feeling bad. You and as I didn't feel bad enough to truly yeah. suffer, you know, I, I had the sniffles, kind of, kind of bad sniffles, you know. Yeah. But those first five days, you can, I guess, it's easier to accept the predicament. Right. When you feel something, and the yeah. last five was like I could. But I've heard you can test positive up to like a month after having it. Yeah, but if I had, if I had, then I would just have flown home anyway at some point. Yeah, yeah. But day ten, I tested negative. Yeah. Well, now it's exciting because I guess over. In Canada, you haven't gotten even to play the hunter-gatherer material or anything like that here yet. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, let's talk about because I've heard that there is some... I'm, you guys released a couple new singles yeah, there last yeah. year. And I've heard that there's a new album in the mix. Mm-hmm. And I guess my question about the, the, what's upcoming is the last two albums were so different from each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Avatar Country having a bit of the humorous side of yeah. Avatar and then hunter-gatherer being a more serious, very dark... Kind a very of. hard attempt to be completely devoid of humor. humor yes, yeah. exactly. So what, after having kind of so opposite uh, content in the last mm-hmm. two albums, what, what's the direction after that? Well, let's see how, I don't have to think how I will formulate this, this early out. Right. Um, well, I think the whole, it's, 
to try to do something funny again mm-hmm. is not, doesn't feel like we're, yeah I'm not we're not that interested in being funny in that right. per se like we did it once and I feel we can't really top that beat that right. if in within the frames of what we want to be kind of like felt like you achieved yeah also because there was such a there was so many sincere things that 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 the silliness was built upon yeah because it's this inside joke of Jonas being a king and all that that is yes. you know, stupid long yeah long far-fetched thing that between us and our mm-hmm. friends it was still this was this weird genuine thing that it came from so it's an album about I don't know and the true treasure was the friendship we made along the way you know yes. there's that energy yeah. to it to begin with is us fucking around with our own little thing and then the way people you know the audience joined in and mm-hmm. took part and participated in mm-hmm. that fun in that game yeah made it so special that there's the, the, all those layers in it that if mm-hmm. we just come up with another silly story yes yeah. it's, it's not built on an insight it, it just it's it can't, might not have the same it won't yeah. ever be the same I right. or let's see if we come up with something in a few years that has that but until right. then there's no I mean, we like to play with people's expectations and with our own expectations. Right. So to be to take a piss out of something in the future is entirely possible, mm-hmm. but not that interesting right now. Gotcha. And then Hunt Together was very much a purge uh, in the in in the sense that yeah, okay, we did the jokes. Now no jokes. Mm-hmm. Now let's what. Could and what could not have been expressed on the last album needs to come out now. Yeah, and with that, there were a lot of. I think that kind of cost like that album, as good good as it is. I feel like it's more great individual parts where mm-hmm. I feel the songs have even greater strength out of context than in context okay the opposite of dark side of the moon if you will yes, you know? yeah, yeah. and which is fine it happens and mm-hmm. it's still great songs and I take pride in especially when we bring them live mm-hmm. proves that it's still great stuff so yeah. that's fine but I realized that we are always stylistically like a broad band multiple mm-hmm. songwriters multiple experiments going on at the same time mm-hmm. but with, that, with it's always a challenge not to lose focus mm-hmm. so maybe Hunt Together for as great as it is feels a bit scattered okay. in hindsight not while we made it you don't know this before right. it's done you know but it, because it was everything Avatar Country wasn't right and Avatar Country wasn't a lot of things mm-hmm. that's why that album is so focused mm-hmm. you know yeah so now yeah now I guess uh, so therefore focus became very important right and considering that we have all this extra time to write and write all kinds of things because mm-hmm. again I don't know if you noticed but it was a plague uh, so we there's a lot of things yeah, going on in the yeah, world sat yeah. at home and created and create a million different things like mm-hmm. I think early in my process of the, the, the stuff that I wrote for this album like there are many of us we, we work it out together but a bunch of us start on our own you know I st- I'd create a folder on my computer called Solo. Like, okay. here's my chance. You know, everybody or many people like, ah, I'm home. I'm not gonna, I can't go to work, so I'm gonna write that great novel. You know, right. that, yes. that feeling. So I did that musically, but as soon as some ideas start to get good, you know, you, the yeah. first thing I wanna do is show it to that other guy, so get some help with, can you re record my guitars and make them, you know, like, and all that thing happens. Like, yeah. oh yeah. Avatar is pretty much my solo project, turns out, when it comes to metal at least. Right. But it's 
everyone's solo project and yes. it ends up being a collective thing. Right. So, so we had to purge and, you know, with all this time and all this and not really no deadline chasing you or anything it's like some stuff turned up super progressive something mm-hmm. super extreme some you know it was so many going through so many periods mm-hmm. all at once and we all did so at some point it's like okay hold up we got a lot of you got a lot of material here volume wise what are but what are we doing yeah what are Collective. you doing that matches it certain things that I do that will match certain thing that he does what do you want to make out of this and you know there are a couple of things like this music will I think more than anything we have done it will make you dance it will make you see the devil and beyond that I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got, the last thing you guys released was in January, uh, Cruel and Unusual. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, to me, feels very heavy, very harsh. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. That, is that, like, kind of something we can look more to, to like, for in the next album, you think? There's definitely a lot of harsh stuff. Yeah. But okay. uh, I think... How do we... Ah, oh, this is hard. Uh, especially right now. Uh... Yeah, there's a lot more harshness, but the, uh, in to, to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. But there, I think. Okay, so there's. I've been thinking a lot of like, what 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 music is supposed to do, you know? Right. Like aside from just being good songs, and I feel like there's there's so many ways of categorizing music: mm-hmm. metal, pop, reggaeton, blues, whatever you know, mm-hmm. genres. Then there is this. I once went to this vocal coach when I was 19 or something. She was singing the Gothenburg Opera Choir. Mm-hmm. And she divided stylistically from a technical standpoint right. between uh, acoustic music and electrically amplified music. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Like, do you use microphones and volume knobs or do you just stand in a room and do it? Mm-hmm. So that's the opera or that's, right. uh, that's the symphonies. Or, and then there's the rock and pop and stuff fundamentally doesn't really matter okay. <laughs> to, to a lot of this stuff they kind of blend into each other right a lot you know of course there's a lot of steps between I don't know um, uh, Emperor and uh, Lady Gaga right obviously but you can put a bunch of bands next to Emperor and to the next to that band something else and start and creating somewhere yeah somewhere in the middle you find I don't know, quite riot yeah. eventually. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and, sister. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's there are connections there, and, uh, so, it, but I, but and then one way of that I would divide music is realize music that you just sit down and take in, mm-hmm. and then music that you do stuff with. With yeah. And I realize that I like when you do things with music. Okay. I think that is when it truly. I mean that is what we are we, it's music with drums right yes, yeah. and if it's drums then it's something for people to gather around yeah. then it's back to hunt the gatherer yeah. not the album but <laughs> actually, yeah. but it's yeah. that we sit in a circle around the fire yeah. or we dance around that fire and we have done for hundreds of thousands of years yeah. and that is so that is the music that becomes that is you know shamanistic mm-hmm. you know reach a trance that is the music of uh, of intoxication of fornication yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. so that's basically a, and it's so obvious when you say it but I want to I, I realized 
I want our music to be something that you, you know, uh, lift, uh, fight, and fuck to. Yeah. You know, I want it to truly have a function in a person's life. I don't need our music to just serve the purpose of being music for the sake of music. That's something else, and which I also love. But then, if I liberate myself from music having a specific task, then why even, why do we have to have guitars in every song? Why does it have to be called metal? Then why not just be super avant-garde, right. go and buy, go to Walmart and buy, I don't know, uh, not even instruments, yeah. plush toys and, and, and sample cutting them up and then or arranging that, you know? Yeah. If you, and then you can sit down and study that. Mm-hmm. But this is not something to study. This is something to feel and experience. Gotcha. And and uh, this says absolutely nothing about what the album sounds like, and I realize that. <laughs> but it's 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 uh, the but it's I, what you guys have been. It's the ideology. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it, yes. It's. I mean, musically, we will always be. I guess at this point. Uh, a heavy metal band who, mm-hmm. who, who who wants to rock, but when we were 16, we learned to play together by playing extremely technical death metal. Okay. You know? So that's the trick always. Tune the guitar slow and have a very aggressive approach to the instruments. Hit things hard for real, mm-hmm. wanting it to be very physical, like mm-hmm. I am a loud singer. Not everyone, like, which is... I get technique because I was in a choir as a little band right. geek and actually need to project and shit. Mm-hmm. And I have a microphone, but I, I don't. My brain never gets. Can, I can never wrap my mind around that I actually can. That it's a tool to make myself heard. Right. Know? So it's it's loud also when the power switches are off. Okay. That's how we play and. And we do. You must go through a lot of drum skins and yeah, yeah, and, and, sticks and, <laughs> and strings and everything. Yeah. and and it's it's an ordeal to get yourself to the level where you need to be. And at my best of days, I brought my resting pulse down to below fifty. You know, like, uh, yeah, for the sake of the music to get your yes. body out of the way because I want it to hurt. I want it to yeah. be intense, uh, but I also want to be able to do cool shit. So I have to yes. get in better and better shape. Yeah, and this way of thinking about music that makes and it's supposed to make you move. Yes. And to truly make people move, I think it needs it needs a certain focus. Mm-hmm. I like when music has a million ideas in it. Mm-hmm. But I like it the most nowadays when it's one idea at the time. Right. Like Judas Priest, I think, turned this corner that I'm I'm making a poor job out of explaining now. Uh, I feel they turned a certain corner with British Steel. Okay. Where if you compare it to Killing Machine and, uh, and yeah, I guess Killing Machine was just before, and you have Sad Wings of Destiny a couple of years before that, and oh, a bunch of albums. Yeah. And I mean, and then they they are there's so much great stuff on those. Yeah. But they go in a bunch of different places and inside of the same songs, a bunch of different places. And I feel with British Steel. Focus. Rapid fire, uh, living after midnight, breaking the law, metal gods. It's just, it's every song is that thing. Gotcha. You know, are you making a sword or a gun or 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 a um, grass mower? You know, mm. you don't want to build all at once. Yeah. So, focused music to make you move. We will make you dance, and you will see the devil. Yeah. That energy of it. Bring the dark. Bring all that all the darkness of the world of ourselves to a place 
where it's you know where 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 you can dance with it, mm-hmm. where you can dance in that darkness. I have not explained at all what it sounds like, but that's no, but it's, but it's but it seems like you've got like you. I think you explained it good with like you each have something you each specifically focus on, and where in the middle does that all meet, and where can we yeah. focus our attention on yeah. one maybe one style, one yeah. substance. I mean, in many ways, I guess death and roll, or maybe because there yeah. was something called death and roll in the nineties, maybe we are post death and roll. Right, right. That's some a term that my well, wife coined for it, but I think it's. It's true in many ways, and it's going to be truer yeah. than ever with the well, album. Well, also, in the last year, you guys have now uh, been on your own label, yeah. uh, uh, Black Waltz. Yeah. And is that, I imagine that now gives you a little bit more freedom Well, artistically, the, like you said, the deadlines, yeah, artistically, like, gets you... We are we are hard bosses. We, okay. we Our deadlines are, we're always harsher than labels. Oh, know? okay. And also because like we, within the band saying we want to get this done by yeah yeah you know uh, it comes natural when it also helps at some yes, point of course. You wanna, I mean or else you have a, what was that Guns N' Roses album that yeah. took 20 years or whatever yeah. and, and gee point. was it worth it when it finally mm. came <laughs> still, to, still to this day yeah but even weirder that's something absurd that they put up now which one uh, just Guns N' Roses yeah that's something new? yeah and yeah. it's called absurd it's like and it's incredible that after all these years that that was the best right. they had in them. Yeah. It's, well, you know what you have to listen to it. You know, I will. I will. Mind-blowing. But I remember thinking, what was that album called? The Chinese one? Democracy. Chinese Democracy. And you could tell, like, I could tell I was like, well, that song was clearly written by Buckethead. Mm-hmm. That song wasn't. Yeah. And that's, it was just, it just felt like a mash of, here's the 20 different people that played in this band in the last 20 years. Like, yeah. yeah. And deadlines and goals and outside demands, it's just part of getting art done. Because yes. the, the artistic process, like, I, yeah. I play in total, maybe in Avatar, all over our career, five to six, eight minutes of piano, right? Okay. Uh, so, but in my free time, I really like to sit by the piano mm-hmm. and come up with stuff. Okay. And sometimes I've recorded that on the phone and things. Mm-hmm. And certain ideas I've been working on forever and they will not never be done until I, some, I agree with right. someone that, okay, we should put it out then and then. Yeah. And studio time is booked. Yes. But until then, I will work on and the artistic side of just doing yes. it I do that all the time, you know? Yeah. I feel like that's just a human thing, you know? Like yeah. We always wait till the deadline exactly. to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is also in creative it's a work. Pressure. Yeah, but also in creative work, I realized that kind of goes hand in hand with this. It's also how it's supposed to be with ideas, you know? I realized who was it? Someone smarter than I. Uh, call, uh, quoted or paraphrased someone even smarter than he mm-hmm. he is and it was something along the lines of a thing that I also realized that I do right that we if someone wants me to come up with something for the band we need yeah. a title or we need this or we need ideas for a music video and like and then instead of saying right away try to you know think hard in that moment about ideas it's like okay when do we meet when we will talk about this mm-hmm. and you have okay Sunday yeah, and that was Tuesday or whatever, and then it's not that I go and all the time and you know walk in a circle until Sunday and think about it, but it's like oh, okay, turn on this little back burner, you yes, know, turn yeah. on the gas on a tiny little flame that is you know, gnawing away yeah. at you that once you sit and talk mm-hmm. with those other guys, 
and they have done something similar, consciously or not, mm-hmm. then the ideas come. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. So part of this creative process of working while not working, mm-hmm. and that this time between getting a task or giving yourself a task and finalizing or needing to go to the next step, that empty space, if you are truly thinking creatively about it, that is a very helpful place so that things mature and marinate a bit and like yeah. because I certain ideas when this also thing is true for most people who work with these, you can have such an abstract thing going on in your head that you know it's something mm-hmm. but how to translate that into an actual cohesive make sense outside of your own brain right that process yeah it's again this marinating like so what ideas do you have for photography well i got bomb chica bomb the ram a lama ding dong what does this mean i don't know but it's good it's and <laughs> yeah it's good. you know and then you go through all this to kind of understand why those words whatever this is just pulled out of my ass and i can't make this make sense but, <laughs> you know just what does this mean what yeah. does this that what does it look like when it becomes a thing yeah exactly yeah. Um, I also liked how you, you made that analogy between, you know, uh, you said Emperor to Lady Gaga. Yeah. And it was interesting when I was reading a thing about, you guys had mentioned some of your influences and stuff, and amongst all, you know, the obvious heavy metal yeah, influences, yeah. there was artists like ABBA oh, yeah. and the Beatles. Yeah. So tell me how artists like that play into Avatar's sound or, or what influences you guys. Well, one thing... I guess both those quite different to me what Ab and the Beatles mean but I guess one thing is again in the simple sense that we have choruses in our mm-hmm. songs you know mm-hmm. there's uh, and our songs are rarely longer than five minutes right so uh, and, and Beatles I guess was one of my uh, I know it's also true for Jonas like one, as a child throughout through our parents on our first loves in music right. uh, very early on mm-hmm. and kind of maybe uh, some of the earliest things where we saw like that's something I would like to do mm-hmm. so it's there from the very beginning but my my appreciation of the Beatles um, has grown and evolved together with me right and now fundamentally one thing I mean aside from it being a great band and there are many great bands but in this, these particular ways they were great mm-hmm. One thing is the constant reinvention or finding the next great thing or learning. Mm-hmm. You learn a new nifty little trick on the guitar and you're able, your way of dealing with that and process that is to write something doing mm-hmm. that. The famously, I think around when, I guess they were in, in when they were in India meditating yes. and they learned a certain finger picking technique on guitar that led to, I think, both Blackbird and Dear Prudence. Yes. Yeah. So Paul's and John's respectively, ah, oh, there's new, okay, I can you know, do this thing. And that constant journey of discovery and self-discovery right. and taking in your musical things mm-hmm. along the way and daring to do that, always branding at the Beatles mm. for the, as long as it lasted. And, you know, trust the sound of yourself being the sound. Mm-hmm. And as such, because, yeah, Hard Day's Night sounds like the Beatles. A Day in Life also sounds like the Beatles. Right. Let It Be sounds like the Beatles. Because it's those voices, and not just the voice of the singer, but the voice of their technique in playing, mm-hmm. uh, just Ringo, how he related to drums and drum arrangements, and all that made it 
it was always the Beatles no matter what. So that right. gives you a very open, free playing field mm-hmm. in, in a way. So that's a big part for me yeah. with them. And ABBA, uh, or a lot of things. I think to make it's. How do I, there are a lot of things, but I'm trying to think bigger than uh, good music and Swedish and grew up with it. That's a big part of it. Right. But they are so well arranged. It's much mm-hmm. more schooled music, mm-hmm. music uh, than the Beatles, for instance. Okay. Uh, I think they, they all know how to write sheet music and right. and score something and yeah. theoretically sound and they work with studio musicians for the rhythm section mm. and as such it's the craftiness of it is more like if if a Beatles song arrangement and a Abba song arrangement would be given as homework to someone right. you know at, at the conservatory 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 what is called the music whatever uh, you know I think the teacher would be forced to grade Abba a bit higher because the sheets music would be it's more like nifty proper, right? yeah, yeah you know okay gotcha for what it's worth I don't say which is I prefer the Beatles yes yeah. just, <laughs> but just and uh, and that is something you truly I don't know like there's just there's just something that, that that's how do you say it it's a very just solid, great thing on top right. of just the music I like. Well, and, talk, and even like you said, whether you're Emperor or whether you're Lady Gaga, you write a, you know, a catchy hook or a, yeah. a chorus that feels yeah. good. No matter, you know, I, I, you've, heard, you've heard metal bands cover the Beatles or ABBA, mm. and the sound, the song still sounds fantastic. It's a new song. Also, that was always, despite the fact that right. I never like when bands do that, with those particular bands. ABBA covers tend to be a bit better, yeah. but the Beatles is really no one has done it in a way where I like it. Really? Okay. I can't think of a single... No, that's not true. No, I know sure there's some soul cover. Right. But I, like, well, the Beatles is hard to just do it justice, I feel. Right. I like there was uh And maybe it's not fair because it's not a Beatles, it's a John Lennon song, but like Chris Cornell did a very good cover, but it was just him and a solo guitar doing Imagine. Yeah, that's yeah. good. And also, uh, did was a perfect circle. Did a very dark, twisted, change the chords to imagine as well. Right. That's good. But you're, that's John Lennon. You're that's right. Not it's not the Beatles. It's not the full package. Because this is symbiotic. Right. It's such a time capsule. Because it's such a big part of what Beatles were great at. Mm. Was also what they did at, in their time yes, with their yeah. technology, pushing yeah. to the next level and mm-hmm. stuff. And again, that's very hard then to invent into something yeah. else. I mean, like, it's such a... The Beatles were also George Martin. To me, like, yeah, right. in such a very important ways mm-hmm. that you can't, you can't be overstated. Recreated. Yeah, exactly. And as such, right. it's so stuck in then and there. Okay. Well, okay, so turning now the creativity and the invention of Back to Avatar, mm. this year was is now 10 years since you guys decided to go with the clown makeup yeah, yeah. and that style and be, very much became part of what Avatar is mm-hmm. what how do you think that that creation has really formed you guys over the last 10 years and how did that idea first come to, to place well the very abridged version of how it came to place is that we did the music for Black Walls mm-hmm. we wanted to do something uh, we don't want it to do something visual. We always, we always did. We never knew what, or we tried, or like, 
how about I wear black pants? You know, like we right. just yeah. growing up doing this and not not knowing and also not wanting to do what everybody had done exactly mm-hmm. that way. But same, so, uh, like we just that is when we got good at asking the question, what does our music look like? Right. But also randomly, it's the guys from Hellsa Poppin, the Sideshow Freeds, one of them helped with fire for a photo shoot of me. And then after that, we decided to make a music video where he could do all the weird stuff he does as the Black Boss music video. And, yeah. like, and what else? Okay, so I should sing in the video. Should I look like something? Well, I can be a scary clown mm-hmm. dressed like if I am one of the, if I roadie, clown yeah. roadie at the circus. Okay, cool. And then inventing that look just feeling, oh, wait, there it is. Mm-hmm. This is it. Yeah. Listen to all the songs. It makes everything make sense now. Okay. And so it, and that's, and still to this day, it feels like uh, it makes sense with what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, and it's very authentic too. Yeah, like it comes from, it comes, it's truly an extension of, it's that thing, right? We're not actors, we're reactors. Right. Like pro wrestlers. Yes, yeah. Meaning that it's an, very much an extension of who we are. Right. You know? Uh, and that is all in there and I also realize it make, keeps making sense because mm-hmm. it could be a trap we could have fallen in hindsight have fallen into back in the days mm-hmm. like oh a clown a circus and ah so we are circus metal right well no but we're definitely a metal circus yeah uh-huh. and that that, that right. changes everything yeah. Yeah. yeah those were not the words back then but this is something we realized it's something you have to, to over time yeah yes. and and as such, it still feels relevant to what we do, to how we create. Yeah. And, and I've been, I don't know, when we did Feathers and Flesh, and it's a fable, a storybook, yes. and that vibe, then it feels I almost could have flown in through the window like Peter Pan rather right. than being a circus clown. Right. Or, or when Avatar Country, okay, of course I can be a court jester. You know, it's mm-hmm. all... You always, adaptable. Yeah, it's very adaptable and open-ended what it means, but it's always... You know, revolves around Avatar is a kind of like the way Eddie is in Iron Maiden. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. And no matter if they are, and they can also be long and progressive and epic and Mm -hmm. Egyptian. Yes. (laughs) And that can be Eddie, and they can also be the punk band of the debut album, or semi punk band on the debut album. Mm -hmm. And and that is also Eddie. Yeah. you know, or on the battlefield, uh, yeah. you know, and you can yeah. play can play around with these devilish themes, or yes. you know, and it always makes sense because it's a fundamental of the personalities uh, mm-hmm. of the band, the players, and the, the writing. So yeah, I guess one of one of my favorite songs from that Black Waltz period was "Smells Like a Free Show," mm-hmm. and that I think that really kind of engulfed that kind of era, what it became. Yeah, and uh, so I was curious now. Now looking back, what's your relationship ten years later with that song? Well, one thing, you have a weird, you have multiple relationships to a song. Mm-hmm. I guess there's always whatever you know. If you have a life, yeah. <laughs> you, you hopefully move at some point move on from the troubles that led to the particular writing of those words yeah. at that time. Yeah. You know, and then I fuck up in different ways now, so. That, that feeds into more material. But in that sense, this need of chemical sedation and being mm-hmm. to, bring, to, to broke to do it and still you make these poor choices and it's this, I don't know, 
self-destructive path towards bliss mm-hmm. and seeing you know seeing it for all the the hurtful sides it has but at the same time embracing the decadence and just being stuck in that loop yeah and it's a celebration and yet and it's something dirty and something good and something bad all at the same time um i mean i deal with life slightly different now mm-hmm. but i mean I remember it. It was a, it's a photograph of that. Period. Yeah, it's a photograph of that period. Exactly, and like, the songs yeah. are, and and then, in the best of mo- moments, live, which I feel is always that ultimate, when you truly like. We try to. There are many things that goes into making a show be good. You know. Yes. Yeah. Hit the right notes at the right time mm-hmm. and play together and. <laughs> And look good doing it and have the light show and blah blah and yes. stuff. but you know once everything is in place or sometimes despite everything not being in place yeah. but there's that sometimes and you you can't physically do this every night on every song mm-hmm. but sometimes you just get in the mindset of that song what right. it meant or the meaning you can relive relive it or that it reconnects for whatever reason for, in the here and now right and those where you get your own pure little you're a, a performer and a listener at the same time right. and you start to re- relate anew with one of the old songs mm-hmm. and I mean that that comes and goes mm-hmm. I mean it's still so our relationship today it's still a good song that we like to play for people and people like when we play it mm-hmm. it's fun and it's good and it's heavy and it's a memorable riff I don't know what band would do other band would do a riff like that you right know? And stuff. So I take great pride in in it for all those reasons. It's still when we play shorter sets on festivals and stuff. That is our go-to closer. You know? Yes. Uh, to feel we leave people hungry for more. For more. Stuff. Yeah. For one. And, back. Yeah. Exactly. So and it has that energy. And then it's what the song is about. That in part, yeah, I wrote it. I lived it. Now I mm-hmm. got new songs and new problems today than yeah. I had then. You know. So, but there's still, of course. A core of what was going on, or mm-hmm. the psychology of that song that that I sometimes rediscover and reconnect with. Gotcha. But that's a deeply personal thing so that comes and goes with all the songs. Well, that's whenever you write, yeah. And that's gotcha. Um, I'm now running low on time, so I want I had one last topic I wanted mm-hmm. to ask sure. you about, and that's I mean one one of the things about Avatar that is most notable too is you guys have these awesome music videos mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that are very. Uh, Filmatic and yeah. um, and entertaining, and uh, in particular, we touched on it earlier. But I I particularly love the the videos from Avatar Country. Yeah, and they felt you felt that myth that, mm-hmm. that you guys were creating. And one thing that I thought was super cool was you guys did a Kickstarter for a yeah. film uh, featurette called Legend of Avatar Country: A Metal Odyssey. Yeah. And that really came together. I think more than I think you raised double what your goal was or something. I yeah. Like so tell me tell me a little bit about. That ambitious idea and how it came to fruition. Wow. Yeah. Well, we. So again, once we understood what Avatar Country was becoming and stuff, the ideas all fed into each other. It was mm-hmm. easy for everyone to have ideas. It has that is because of what it was, mm-hmm. because of what we've been laughing at, and you listen to 
well, if you listen to the first half of Manowar songs before, the, all the problematic shit always happens in the second verse. We're like, hey, wait a minute, this is yeah, <laughs> this is just wrong. <laughs> you know, have fun with that and yeah. your European power metal roots and all these things, and then the things we laugh at behind closed doors and which part of our locker room who talk can we actually expose the world to? You right. know, all yeah. these different layers of things that we do, um, and it was so easy for everyone to see to you know to have ideas where everyone said yes and then and then, yes and then this and yes so yeah so it was easy enough to figure out that we could do a little timeline of six music videos mm-hmm. for those six like after country's a weird album where it's all different kinds of tracks on it yeah but there are like six traditional songs gotcha uh, so we could do these music videos this 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 and this and we were like okay we we can finance like we have in the past three music videos mm-hmm. the normal way yeah wouldn't it be cool to do the other the other three and then when we start to write together how to ask for it we realize but then you know depending if we make enough then we can make a little thing in between here a little dialogue there yeah. just exactly because they were supposed to be story connected anyway <clears throat> but then to really flesh it out it grew and grew and grew mm-hmm. so ultimately I think we had a sit down band and Yuan Kali who, uh, he, uh, who directed it and, and yeah. shot it and, and a lot of other things um, because yeah we have got more than twice the money we asked for it's still a very low budget yes, for, yeah, for something pulled that up. Made, yeah. so we all did more than one thing on that right. uh, video uh, on, 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 on that project yeah but we uh, it was probably a very exhaustive process yeah. <laughs> so we did kind of a, an outline like a little treatment on what everything yeah. was going to be and about and stuff and then you one had to learn to write lengthy scripts mm-hmm to, to write the film after yeah. that which he did and then we bounced a bit back and forth but it was a lot in his hands because we yeah. were doing so many other things at the same time and then came the financing and we were blown away that people were so into it and it was also a weird it was a, it was a good positive experience but something maybe the word is scary mm-hmm. just the feeling of like the thing undertaking it yeah, yeah just you know what we do there's how we relate to each other performer and audience mm-hmm. it's a it's it can be a very delicate balance you know yeah. because this this thing where what you do can carry so much meaning in somebody else's life that they have this intense relationship to you or we all do to the stuff we listen to mm-hmm. i mean my relationship to simon and garfunkel is way stronger than simon and garfunkel's relationship to me right, right? gotcha so and, so we all have that yeah and and we deal with it in different ways and how we're supposed to interact and get to know each other and we like to still I'd like to be a person and a human <laughs> and it's complicated but and then you have a business side of it mm-hmm. yeah. but it's pretty straightforward in the case of just how we do things is that okay we come to your town play a heavy metal show you buy a ticket if you like it you will buy a ticket next time too and in between you might get a t-shirt and right. we all have a good time if we meet high five picture hell yeah, yeah. and if you are right time to chat why not we're still human yeah and it works in the business exchange how much our tickets costs for the time people for the enjoyment people get it seems fair we don't need to overthink that right it's a system that seems to work now people were throwing money at us for to make this little film that we had have no idea how to do and it's just, <laughs> and it's gonna be it's you know it's just this it 
it was a much more I don't know explicit extreme example of like I'm gonna show personal appreciation and yeah. love of your work by throwing money at you yeah and then so then that so you cross the wires of money and love in a way also like a pressure yeah now you don't want to let those people down exactly yeah. but the pressure part I feel yeah but we always they, they like they can never put so. yeah they can never put any more pressure on, on us than we do then ourselves you put on yourselves yeah and so because we're crazy so mm-hmm. that's fine but they cross the wires of personal meaning money and love mm-hmm. and to sort out what that meant and what that responsibility meant and, and stuff it's like I don't know like it, it took a while to process and ultimately I, you know, I came through on the other side just happy about everything and right. everything is great and awesome and I think the people who uh, got into that craziness with us I think most of them felt they got out of it what they right. hoped to yeah. so everybody wins mm-hmm. uh, at least 99% as far as I can mm-hmm. tell uh, but but it was it was a crazy trip the first time like it was yeah. a scary number to read because like oh we seem to do alright and we were going on stage and when we came off stage where I wrote it exceeded a goal and it, it went so fast you know yeah. so yeah that, that was weird very cool well I, I appreciate you telling me all the stories have you have you ever guys ever in especially in that process of making films do you ever get weird like wrong requests from like blue you know James James Cameron blue avatars like people saying <laughs> no what we have gotten no but what we did get many years when the film was new I bet yeah oh. some fan a girl wrote I saw you in such and such town when you opened for such and such and I thought you were I wished for your album for Christmas and my parents gave me the soundtrack <laughs> so, so it was in 2009 when <laughs> yeah the first right year. Like, oh no! Oh. Very different, yeah. And we are just—we are older than the film. We are better than the film. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. are amazing. Yeah. Um, you, you guys are incredible. You do something so unique and awesome. Thank and, you. I, and I'm really appreciative that you took some time. To, oh, a lot of time to yeah. to talk Happy to me to. today. So, thank you very much. Well, Have a great you. show tonight and a great tour. Thank, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Adamantium Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd absolutely love for you to subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. I'd also love to see you on social media. You can follow on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Thank you again so much for listening.